Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. This is Kevin Brooker. Welcome to Cruising Through Retirement. You know the holiday season is upon us, so we're going to cover some moments from your favorite Christmas movies and shows and the financial planning lessons that we can take from each of them, and it's all going to start right now. Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Welcome in, everyone. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm Steve Siddall. Uh, Kevin is a fiduciary, investment advisor, representative. Silverleaf Financial is where you find him. Silverleaffinancial.com, the website. And uh, all right, we're going to dig into Christmas. Are you a fan of Christmas movies, Kevin? You know what? A lot of them, I'll admit it, I am. Okay, yeah, me too. I'm a sucker. <laughs> you know, I, I do like watching them, and I can tell you the, uh, what, It's a Wonderful Life. It's like you know, on every year, I think of. I can't tell how many times I've, you know, so oh, let's watch it again. Yeah, know? might as well. But that's what's fun well, about Christmas movies, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, they're, they're light, you know, and I, I like them. I like them. I think it's a good, I think it's a great way to get in the mood and, uh, get in the Christmas spirit. Well, yeah. So I mean, um, for instance, uh, the top five grossing Christmas movies. Any idea? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, actually, no, I'm drawing, so I'm number, drawing a blank. So number five, A Christmas Carol. Okay, sure. Uh, number four, Dr. Seuss's Grinch. Mm, Three, right. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, $358 million. Oh, nice. Um, so these are top grossing. So number two, which kind of surprised me, Home Alone was number two at $476 million. It's Macaulay Culkin, huh? Yep. Okay. And uh, The Grinch uh, takes the top spot, 526. That's the, the Grinch from 2018. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow, well, you know what? They pulled in more money, apparently, than the uh, Taylor Swift Eras Tour concert. Well, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, like, oh, man. It's like every, everywhere I turn, I, 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 Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know, oh my, I know. My gosh. And then they I, went to then they went to Wisconsin, and holy cow, did that end badly for her, for them? Oh man, right, right. <laughs> it's like, hey, I thought you were supposed to make them play better. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. You know, so anyway, but apparently she's brought two million new new viewers to the NFL. Well, you know, and the NFL is embracing that, and good for them. Yes, they are for sure, for sure. You know, so so no, but I think it's uh, it's 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 that great time of year for the movies and the shows, and uh, 
I think, you know, that, that uh, they, they have some very relatable characters that I think uh, face some very relatable financial issues. Yes. Uh, and some relatable mistakes as well, unfortunately. Right. Well, not making the list of uh, top 10. I only went through five, but n- so not making the top 10 was uh, Christmas Vacation. Chevy Chase. Oh, is that Chevy Chase, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, that's a. Th- I watch that probably more than once every season, just because I like uh, it. <laughs> you know the Chevy Chase movies. I've always liked them. They're, oh, they're yeah. fun. The vac- all the vacation movies and everything. You know. So let's I, uh, let's start with fun. let's start with that from as, from a Christmas movie standpoint. And uh, so, of course, it takes place in the suburbs of Chicago. And uh, so Clark Griswold is the master of all things Christmas decorating. And then cousin Eddie shows up. Truth is, things ain't going too good at all. You know, I told you I borrowed the RV from my neighbor. We live in it. Had to sell off the house, the barn, the 10 acres. If only I had back the money that me and Catherine sent that TV preacher that was screwing the hockey player. Eddie, Ellen and I want to help you give the kids a nice Christmas. Clark, I couldn't do that. <laughs> no, no, we, we insist. Oh, no, I'm not one for charity now. Oh, I know that, Eddie. This isn't charity, it's family. Boy, <laughs> this is a surprise, Clark. <laughs> this is just a real nice surprise. Here's a little list. Alphabetical starting with Catherine. And if it wouldn't be too much, I'd like to get something for you, Clark. Something really nice. It's not charity, it's family. <laughs> it's it's family. It's family, oh, right? Oh yeah. But oh yeah. we all we all have a cousin Eddie somewhere in our lives, don't we? Oh, I think so. I think so, you know, and, and uh yeah, I think everybody has, has somebody like that in their family. And uh, good old Randy Quaid there, right? Oh, From yeah. uh, nineteen eighty nine, I think. And uh yeah, you you know it's important. I think that you know, especially now going into the holidays, where we're gonna you know a lot of people are, we're gonna be around family and friends and things like that. Uh, and you might have that cousin Eddie, you know, asking you or telling you about how some problems that they've encountered, and and it might come. The question might be posed as to whether you can help them financially. And I think that you know helping others is, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing if you can do it without putting yourself in a bad spot. You know without jeopardizing your own future. Um, but you know, it's important to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And I know sometimes people look at me kind of, kind of cross-eyed a little bit cause I've had a lot of these conversations. Um, because what I've learned is that a lot of people are continuing to support their adult kids. And I don't mean adult at like 18 or 19 in college. I mean, I mean like 27 or 28 still living at home. Right. And, and I, I know, I know there are sometimes there's a, extenuating circumstances that can cause this to happen. Um, but I'm a big advocate of, of people taking care of themselves and accomplishing and forging their own path through life. And, and I think that um, if, if I think sometimes when people make it too easy and they, they've given things to their kids or given things to other people, it, it becomes, you know, you're, you're it's, it's as though you're, uh, you know, they, they feel entitled to it. And, and I think that sometimes you can make them dependent on you. Maybe that's not what you're trying to do. I'm sure that's right. not what you're trying to do. You're just trying to help them out, right? Yes. But it's really important. I, I always ask everybody, you know, to think back when you get on an airplane and you're flying somewhere and they got that pre-flight, you know, uh, check-in Steel. and update, yep. going through the instructions, you know, looking at the safety manual. And then she tells you or he tells you that if, uh, if something happens in the plane – starts to lose pressure, then these oxygen masks are going to fall down from the ceiling. And what they tell you, what do they tell you to do, guys? If you've got kids traveling with you, they tell you to put the mask on yourself first. Take care of yourself first so that you're able 
to take care of your children and anybody else that might not be able to help themselves. Mm-hmm. Take care of yourself first. And, and I think that's a critical lesson. And I think it applies to finances as well. And, and I think it's great if, that parents are willing to help their kids out. I've had parents help out with everything under the sun from buying them, you know, buying them that first car and paying for college, taking on debt because they didn't want this, the child to take on student debt. And now there's a lot of parents that are in their 50s and 60s and, and older. There's a lot of retired people now. There are millions of retired people that have taken on student debt for one of their relatives. And, and you guys might know student debt is you, you really can't walk away from student debt. Um, as far as I know, it still cannot be discharged through a bankruptcy proceeding. And, and so it, it, it is on you. It's attached to you for life. And, and I think that it's very important to take a look at how much debt we're taking and how much debt we're carrying as we go into retirement. Because, you know, I read a case the other day, um, a woman is, I think her salary is in the 40 to $50,000 range. She has racked up over $150,000 in debt for her daughter to become a teacher, all right? Which is great. She daughter's given back to the community, but as a teacher, she's not going to be making a ton of money that, in my opinion, she's going to be able to pay back mom, and the payment for mom is $1,053 a month. Wow. And, and she's talking about how she can't afford it, and she's going to have to give up you know, other things in her life. And, and I think that's just heartbreaking to be in your 40s or 50s and taking on a, an additional. You, this is all additional debt, right? Because yeah. we already have, she already has the normal stuff that a lot of people have, like a car loan and a mortgage on the house. And, and, and now she's taking on this additional amount. And, and I, would, I would caution against doing that. I don't think parents should take on the debt at all for their kids. I think you should let the kid, let the child either take the debt or find another way to pay for it. How about joining the military for a few years? Go in the military and then go to college on the GI Bill, right? You go in the military for a while and you'll come out and you're going to have VA health care as well, right? So I, I think that if there, there's many ways to tackle this, it doesn't have to be a big student loan. And one of the problems is there's, there's uh, gosh, what's the loan called? I think it's like student plus or something, college plus. It's, it's something there's pluses in the name of the loan. And what really shocked me in this story, and you guys might know this, apparently, there is no income requirement for the parents to take out this plus loan. No income requirement. And there's no maximum on how much that person can borrow. Oh, my gosh. What, who's, who, Re- who thinks right? that's a good idea? That's what I'm saying. So now how many people do we have like this woman I'm describing? Because when I, when, sure. I, when I read the story and she's like, I make less than 50 grand a year, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what bank would loan you $150,000, three times your salary, who would do that? Why would you know what I'm saying? She does yeah. not qualify. She doesn't have enough income to make those payments. So, and apparently now we've got, I don't know how many thousands, maybe millions of people that are subject to these loans that they should never, they should never have been given that money um, if they're not financially qualified for it. So I don't know where it's going to come down, but what I look at, I say, you know what? It seems to me the taxpayer is probably going to be on the hook for that. Um, and we've already got obviously a massive amount of debt from from everything else. So I think it's important to go back whenever you're having a conversation, just, you know, to, just whoever it is, just say, you know what, I've got to think about it. Or, you know what, we've hit, we got hit with some unexpected bills too. And now it's just not really a good time for me. I'm sorry. Right. All right. Just say no. Just well, say no. If, if you change your mind, you can always come back later on and offer to them. Exactly. Well, I mean, again, I, I we all know people that, you know, got involved in, in the familial, you know, borrow money, going to pay it back. No, it isn't. I mean, it's, it's just it, it's just not worth it to me. <laughs> it's 
No, it's not. It's not worth it to me. And I'll tell you, it 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 can cause it can ruin friendships. Oh my right? gosh! I mean, yes, absolutely. You know, easily. And and I I I'm, when I was a teenager, I had I had friends. You know, would hit would want to borrow money from me, and I made and I I did give them some money at some point. I never got it back. And then and then I made the decision. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just not. And and so anytime anybody approached me after that, I just said no. I don't. I just don't do that. Period. That's it. It doesn't have to be a big explanation. You don't owe them an explanation. Nope. Right. Just say no. I don't do that. And and uh, keep the money in your pocket. Hopefully, keep it invested so you can have a very good retirement. Well, and uh, as we we just heard from cousin Eddie or <laughs> on uh, on this, and, and so there's one more clip from um, Christmas Vacation, and this one has to do with sort of counting your chickens before they're hatched. And, and here's the, the problem that uh, Clark is facing. He believes he just got his bonus. My bonus. Open it, Clarky. Open it. With this bonus check, I'm putting in a swimming pool. I've been waiting for this bonus to make sure the pool goes in as soon as the ground thaws. I had to lay out the money in advance. And until this little miracle arrived, I didn't have enough in my account to cover the check I wrote. There's enough left over. I'm going to fly you all down here to help us dedicate it. I can't swim, Clark. Clark, what's wrong? What is it? It's a, it's a one-year membership in the Jelly of the Month Club. Oh, God. Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. <laughs> the whole year. Thanks, whole Cousin year. Eddie. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, thanks for that Jelly of the Month, right? Unfortunately, yeah. it's not going to pay for that swimming pool, right? No. So, I mean, uh, again, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, you can't count on those things. Oh, no, my gosh. I, you know, uh, hopefully nobody is out there writing checks that they know they can't cash. Uh, you know, like Clark counting on something coming in that might not ever come in. Right. And, and, and it's, it's great that he wants to fly the family down to, you know, break in the pool. But if, if you didn't have enough money to cover that check, you shouldn't be splurging on people coming down, you know, to jump in your pool. Sure. And, you know, and so I think this to me says, you know, this is why it's important when we sit down, we want to look at the entire financial situation, right? We want to look at all the money somebody has coming in, all your expenses and where the money goes and then, then we want to look at all the assets that you have, and we want to look at all the debts, or whether it's a mortgage, a car loan, a student loan, you know, or any or credit card debt, or any other type of, of loan, so that we can get an idea and figure out basically your personal balance sheet, right? Mm-hmm. Because because there's going to come a point later on, guys, when you're getting ready to retire. What a lot of people are doing, um, a lot of folks will retire a year, two years, three years, five, ten years before they claim Social Security. So obviously, the only way they can do that if they're stopping working is they're living on, on other assets, right? So maybe they're living on the interest from other investments. Maybe they're taking out part of the, maybe they're just withdrawing from some of their accounts. But the fact is, they've got other assets that they're living on because they don't want to claim Social Security right away, which, by the way, is essentially the same thing I'm planning on doing, um, because they realize that their Social Security check goes up 8%, roughly 8% every year they wait. And they also realize that they don't have anything else in their portfolio that is guaranteed to grow at 8% per year. And so that, which is what I always ask people, I say, well, what other accounts do you have that'll, that are growing at that rate? Any, anything? And, and so one of the things I talk about, like when you're figuring out what asset to spend, if you're choosing between two accounts, if, well, let's say, if they're, let's keep it simple. You've got one account earning 3% and another earning five. So which one do you spend? You spend the one that's earning the least amount of money, right? That's the one you spend. Sure. So the the moral of the story is the investments that are growing the most, you want to leave those in place, right? As long as you can, because it's getting you the most growth. 
that same definition and that same logic applies to letting your social security continue to grow because it's guaranteed to grow pretty much more than anything else we have. There's no, nobody, there's no institution that I'm aware of that's legal that is paying 8% on anything on a guaranteed basis. Mm -hmm. All right. The only, the only way you're getting 8% these days is you got to be taking some risk. Okay. So my opinion is to let social security grow as long as you can, if possible, all the way to age 70 before you claim, because then you're going to get a check that's 24, 25% bigger than you would have gotten if you claimed at your full retirement age. And if you think you've got a good chance of living into your 80s, that's the break-even point. It's usually around 81. That's usually the break-even point to, to be at the point in which all those checks that you did not take in your earlier 60s, now because you're getting more every month, you've made back the total amount and you're ahead of that total received once you get to about 81. Now, I know that's a while. That's a, you know, better than a decade, right, after you claim until you're going to get to that point. And so that's why a lot of people take it early. They say, you know what? I don't, I don't know. I just don't think I'm going to live that long, Kevin. And, and I always ask everybody to please think very, very hard about that. Even every month, even a month or two waiting is going to get you a bigger check. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my suggestion, please try to wait until your full retirement age. And if possible, wait till 70. And I think that's going to make your retirement so much better because you're going to have, you're going to have more cash coming in every month that you know is going to be there, and you're going to keep on getting the, the raises, you know, the cost of living adjustments each year um, on that bigger Social Security check. Sure. Well, folks, if you want to check in with Kevin, uh, sit down, have a conversation, silverleaffinancial.com is a great place to start. You can reach out to Kevin right there, 800-975-6717 is the phone number. Um, let's, uh, let's shift to TV now and talk about uh, a clip from The Office. And, and again, love this one. Uh, this is from um, the, one of The Office. It's called The Christmas Party, oddly enough. And this is Michael Scott describing what it's like and how important it is is to be, be, give gifts. Presents are the best way to show someone how much you care. It is like this tangible thing that you can point to and say, hey man, I love you this many dollars worth. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> I love you this many dollars worth. So are you familiar yes. with this one, Kevin, where this is where he buys uh, Ryan his, uh, an iPod at that point because they were popular then. So he buys, oh, yeah. spends 200 bucks on an iPod and the, and the limit for the Christmas uh, Santa thing was 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Yeah, I, I hate it when people did that. It's like, no, stick to the budget. Yeah, stick exactly. To the budget. Exactly. <laughs> Obviously, he, he, he wanted to show him how much he loved him, right? Right. And Yes. And, and uh, no, that's Steve Carell, of course, from from the office. And uh, I, I think, um, you, you know, the, the I think what we're trying to get at here is overspending. Right. Mm. Well, and, it's Christmas. So that's what people it, do. That is what people do. And, and uh, I, I would just ask everybody to, to if, if you feel like splurging, you know, do it with cash. In other words, don't take on don't take on a ton of debt, guys. You know, interest rates are a lot higher. If you do take on take on debt, if you put it on your credit card, do your best to pay it off. Pay up if you've got credit cards. We we we've all heard the best way to handle them is to pay off the balance in full every month, and then you can rack up points. You know the card. Uh, I actually use a Fidelity uh, credit card, and I get two percent cash back on everything with no limit. Um, the only catch is that it pays it back into the investment account, right? Which I'm fine. I, I, I'm okay. fine with that. Sure. All right. All right. But it, but it's two percent cash back on everything. And, and so to me, that's a smart way to do it. Now, some people like to get the airline miles, whatever makes the most sense for you personally. 
I would recommend ca a cash back card. Pay it off every month. You don't pay any fees. You don't pay any interest. Uh, and you wind up saving a percent or two on, on whatever it is you're, you're buying, right? Mm -hmm. So, but uh, let's try, as we're going into the holidays, you're doing that shopping, you know, tr just keep an eye, keep an eye on how much you're spending. I know it's fun, um, but if it's really the thought that counts, then the dollar amount shouldn't really matter. Well, and because here's what, here's how you don't want to end up. Here's, uh, here's uh, Michael Scott. I declare bankruptcy! You can't just say the word bankruptcy and expect anything to happen. I didn't say it. I declared it. I declared it. <laughs> <laughs> he declared it, right. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, if only it was that easy, right? Right. Um, well, the bankruptcy you know, laws have, have changed a bit in the last 10 years, haven't they? You know what? I, I am actually not a good person to ask oh, that see, question. Well, I'm not <laughs> either, so I, I, I didn't. <laughs> so, so, guys, I, I would apologize on that one, but I am not a good guy to ask about the bankruptcy rules. Um, I, I guess I'm fortunate in that all, all the clients of an investment advisor – you know they're a long way from bankruptcy. They've got a, you know, they've got extra cash. Mm -hmm. So, so I haven't, I haven't kept up with those, but I, I do think they've extended, uh, you know, the periods of time on some of these things. Uh, but I, but I would have to defer on that question, guys. The, the moral of the story to me is that uh, because Michael Scott, you know, he's spending too much on the Christmas gifts. He's probably a, an overspender overall, and which is what's led him to having to, to declare bankruptcy. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, we don't want that to happen to anybody, anybody that's listening to the show for sure. So that's why we always advocate making a budget. I know the majority of the population doesn't think you need a budget, uh, but I don't know how else to get a handle and to, to get a handle on spending and to really know where your money's going unless you put a pen to paper, you know, set up a spreadsheet, however is easiest for you. Just put down, just go through your bank account, go through your credit card statements. You could probably do it in an hour, maybe two hours. And, and just go through one time though. You don't have, you know, just, just put it down and it'll, it'll, I think you'll be surprised. And guys, if you pull out your credit card statements in, a, in an ideal world, everybody would be analyzing their credit card statement every time the bill came in, right? Looking at every single thing to make sure you're not spending money on some subscription that you haven't looked at in the last seven or eight months. <laughs> yes, I think we've all fallen victim to that too a time or two. Yes, I think we have it. Guys, let me give you a tip. All right. Whenever I sign up for a free trial for something and they say, oh, but you got to give us your credit card, right? Yep. That's the trap. That's the trap that they're trying. They're setting the trap, right? Because they know most people are going to forget about that deadline. They'll forget about it after the free trial. And then they're going to automatically be charging you and then they get paid every month, right? Yep. So what I, what I do is I put a reminder in my calendar that's a day or two days before the trial is going to be over. And I ask myself, do you still want to keep this trial going? And that reminds me to take another look at it and cancel it if I'm not going to be using it, you know, or it reminds me that I, that I am enjoying it and I want to keep on paying for it. All right. But, but just remind yourself so you don't get stuck because I have met people that are paying two, three, four hundred dollars a month for, for things, subscriptions that they're not even using and they actually totally forgot about. Right. Well, and again, I mean, that, like you said, sticking to a budget, creating a budget, because if you start having those random things, that's going to screw up your budget. <laughs> it is, it is. And if, and if you do that on a regular basis, that's where you're going to wind up, wind up having to declare bankruptcy, right? Right. And, and we don't want and that. We don't want that. That's going to mess you up for a long time. If you do have to go through a bankruptcy, you're going to have a really hard time getting any credit at all for anything. Uh, for several years, I I, I want to say at least three years, um, but it, it is going to trash your credit uh, if it's not already in bad shape. Oh, well, I mean, a bankruptcy is, is a seven years. 
Oh, is it seven years? Yes. Okay. I, I, well then, uh, I apologize. I, I stand corrected. That will stay apparently on your credit report for seven years. Um, and so that is not something you want to take lightly. So just take a few minutes, take a little time, put down that budget. And it's probably, you get, you're probably going to find a way you can save some money because you realize you, you, that you're spending it on something that you don't need to. And now you can have some extra cash in your pocket to do something to spend it another way, maybe actually invest it instead of spending it on a subscription that you're not really using. Exactly. Well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, that was a, that movie certainly, yeah, when it first came out, it was it was not well received. But over the years, it has become, a, a, you know, a Christmas classic. And the, the one of the things with, uh, you know, with It's a Wonderful Life, um, they're talking about budgeting, really. And uh, this is where there's sort of a run on the bank and, and George Bailey is trying to deal with the fallout. Don't you see what's happening? Potter isn't selling, Potter's buying. And why? Because we're panicky and he's not. That's why. Now, we, we can get through this thing, all right? We, we've got to stick together, though. We've got to have faith in each other. But my husband hasn't worked in over a year and I need money. How am I going to live until the bank? Open. I got Dr. Bill's to pay. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so, yes, we all we all do, right? Right. But again, but that you know, that's that's part of the story and, and I do think it's interesting that whole, you know, the run on the bank and, and I want my money, but the money's not here and, and, and again, there's just a lot of confusion and, and, and people are scared. They are scared and, and, and guys something to remember is that movie was from the mid forties, um right, nineteen forty six, was it? Yeah. And and so that wasn't long after, of course, the Depression, um, where a lot of the rules that we have today, like, for, for instance, the formation of the SEC was right after the Depression in the, in the early mid-30s. And a lot of the rules and the safeguards we have in place had just been put into place. And FDIC insurance, uh, I actually don't know the exact time that came into play, but that would obviously be, concern, be a concern if you think they're having a run on the bank and it's not insured. All right. That's not the situation today. We don't have to worry about, you know, the so-called run on the bank. Although, actually, I guess last earlier this year, we did have uh, the right. Silicon Valley run on the bank, right? Yep. And, and uh, which that one, that one was a little different because this Silicon Valley bank that uh, I, guess I would say imploded earlier in the year, that was kind of a unique situation because they tended, they were very, very concentrated with private equity um, and, and early, early stage uh, companies that they made loans to. So these are like startup companies that they would make loans to that have promising products, but they're still private. They're not public yet. They're in the very, very early stages. And so they had a lot of really wealthy clients that had very concentrated wealth. And because we're in the age, uh, the digital age with texting, uh, when this happened and, and there started to be a rumor about the bank having trouble, because of texting and the communication being so instantaneous these days, all of these customers pretty much got in touch with each other immediately and they didn't even have to go to the bank, though, right, to withdraw their money. They can do it over the phone. And that's what caused this massive, fast, fast run on the bank where they literally took out billions of dollars in a matter of minutes. And, and that's what led to the big problems uh, at Silicon Valley Bank earlier in the year. And, uh, but as it turns out, as far as I know, nobody lost a dime, even though they had far more money there than the 250000 that was covered by FDIC. Well, because they stepped in. I mean, the FDIC stepped in and said, all right, we're just going to make it good for everybody. Yeah, which right? was and, Which is unusual, but I mean, it, it. I don't know. It didn't seem to have any fallout. It seems uh, people accepted that. You know what? I think, the, I think the reason is because it helped calm the financial markets. Well, true. Because, right? Because, I mean, there were a lot of, there was a lot of people that had millions and millions of dollars there. 
you know, far, far, far more than than the 250 that's, you know, that's FDIC insured. And I think if they if the government didn't do that, there there who knows what kind of a calamity that would have caused for financial markets. But I think it could have been devastating. And so I think the I think the government did the right thing. And and they don't get any credit for it. It's, I don't think anyone ever gives the government credit for anything anymore. And and it's like this bashing all the time. You know what? In some ways, they they I think they handled that one very well. I think uh, I think all the regulators that oversee the bank and financiers did a fantastic job on that one. And and I think that they deserve some credit. And just like just like with the economy, I know there's been so many people that bash Jerome Powell, the head of the central bank, about being too late to start raising interest rates. Guys, you know what? They are doing a phenomenal job. They're doing a fantastic job with the economy. Yes, the interest rates have gone up dramatically, but the economy is still showing over 5% growth for the third quarter. Unemployment is still below 4%. Anybody that wants a job has at least one job, if not more than one job. And so the economy is actually doing well, which is why the stock market has come back and we've had another really good year in the stock market. It is because these things... The, there's a lot of government officials that are they are doing a good job, in my opinion. And I think we can see that if you look, if you take an honest look at the economic numbers. And and you know, but go, going back to the run on the bank, I got a little off topic there. No, that's good. I you know, I think I think one of the issues that that uh that came up in that segment when the woman says that her husband hasn't worked, you know, for over a year and they've got doctor bills they've got to pay, what that tells me is also another reason, that's another benefit to having a budget. So that you and to having an emergency fund and having money set aside so that if, if you do something happens unexpectedly, you're OK, you can cover it. And guys, let me mention something that there's something like 30 percent. It's roughly 30 percent of retirees, right? People that are retired, 30 percent of them retired sooner than they planned to. They retired because they got laid off from a job. OK, or because one of their parents got sick and they decided to be the caregiver for their parents or for a relative or a child. So, or they got sick, they themselves got sick or, or injured. But the fact is it's a pretty significant percentage of people are not able to work as long as they originally planned to. And so my, the, the, so my point is to keep that in mind, because especially if you do a physical, especially if it's a physically demanding job, um, I, I know plenty of people that do that. I know I've got a brother-in-law that's a that's a flooring guy, you know, so he's on his knees all the time, banging oh, yeah. his knee against against that thing that stretches the carpet out. You Oof, know, boy, that's not a job I want. <laughs> no, he's, no, and he's been doing it a long time, and he he's in his fifties now, and he's like, you know, I don't know if I'm, how long I'm going to be able to keep on doing this. Yeah, and 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 so all the you know everybody that's in a position like that, you really want to be as diligent as you can and save as much as you can you know, while you're working, because if something comes up that you have to retire sooner than expected, that could put you in a hell of a bind. Sure. And you want to you want to make sure you're able to get through it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, uh, so, Kevin, as we record this um, on Thursday, I'm looking at the Dow at uh, 36,000, the S&P at 4,500. What, what's going on? Uh, you know what? The markets, you know, I mentioned I mentioned a few months ago when I when the S&P had traded back above about 4,200 or so. Yes, yep. Uh, you know, we talked about it on the show, and I said, you know what? The markets are looking much, much better than anybody that looks at the charts, which is looking at trading patterns, trading history, levels of support and resistance and all these things. There's a lot of technical indicators that shorter-term traders use, but those are good indications, um, you know, for me, that show the health, the health or the lack of health in the stock market. 
And right now the technicals are, are looking so much better than they did just a few months ago. There's a lot more stocks trading above their, you know, let's say their 50 day average price. There's a, there's a lot better breadth. So a lot more stocks are participating in the gains in the market. It's not quite as concentrated. It's still concentrated, but it's not just those magnificent seven tech stocks that, that a lot of people like to talk about. Um, so I, I think that, you know, the markets, in my opinion, the markets look good. And I think if you're an investor, if you're concerned, you want to, if you want to set some sort of a stop or have some downside, you say, you know what, I don't want to lose more than, I don't know, eight or 9%. Well, the good news is that right now, the support on the S&P 500 is about eight or 9% below where we are. So if you wanted to increase your positions, but you want to put a risk, you know, you want to limit your risk, what you could do is you could get out, you could, you could set up a stop, a mental stop where you sell if the market goes back below, let's say 4,200 mm-hmm. or, you know, you find the support levels. That's how professional traders do it. They find the key support levels and they'll, and they'll, they'll say to themselves, I'm, I'm getting out or you can put in an order where it automatically sells if it goes to a certain level. So that's a way that some people will manage the risk and control for the risk if you're thinking about the downside. Now, if you're a long-term investor, you should continue to put away quality stocks, quality holdings with every paycheck in your 401k or your Roth and take advantage of it. Keep putting the, putting money away and keep building the portfolio if you're long-term. I think that uh, I think the market surprised a lot of people this year, and I think it could happen again next year. Okay. Well, that sounds great. I mean, I, I like the optimism. And uh, certainly as we start to wind down the the, uh, the year, um, things are looking are looking fairly good. I mean, I, I talk to a lot of advisors and, you know, and, and everybody like you seems uh, a bit, uh, you know, optimistic. You, you know what? There were so many headwinds that we were facing earlier in the year and, and all the craziness that we went over with a lot of craziness still in politics, yeah. but going through COVID and the pandemic and all these things, um, which we're still recovering from, and it's probably going to take a while longer. And we're still recovering from the war in Ukraine because that infects a lot of grains, a lot of breads and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and we're still recovering from these things. So those risks are always out there, right? We're, we're going to have the risk of China invading Taiwan, or now we're hearing about China wanting to do something with the Philippines, I guess. So, so those risks are always out there. But guys, think about how many we've seen in the last 20, 30, 40 years. There's always something, right? But so far, the market has always come back and went on to new highs. So if you see the market going on sale and it's down, that's when you need to think about Warren Buffett and, and realize you need to be greedy when other people are fearful. Take advantage of the downturns. If the market goes down, you should, you should buy more. Continue to buy. Don't run for the hills and sell when the market's down. That's the opposite. So let's just take a long-term view. Buy in any weakness, and I'll uh, see you in a prosperous retirement. Provided this for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, hosts, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, member Spinra SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions. Volatility in the market is a fact. 
What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today.